All right, and welcome to another exciting episode of uh, Sports Biz from an agent's perspective. Uh, you're with your host, Zila, a.k.a. Chester Mbekela. You know, coming to you guys from a nice and warm, <laughs> you know, Tokyo, Japan, man. Um, yeah, and our summer's definitely in full swing this side. And uh, yeah, we definitely have um, an interesting and insightful, you know, topic that we're going to talk about in today's episode. All right. But before we get into that. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help. I know, you know, from my personal experience, man, when I was an athlete, when I was a player, you know, there'd be times I would go through, you know, feelings of like stress and anxiety, you know, stress to perform, you know, stress to play well, to make sure you play for that next contract. And, you know, I really wish that I had had, you know, certain like avenues to really vent and get out these frustrations and just have an objective party to talk to, all right? BetterHelp, man, it's a platform that offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you through, you know, your tough time or whatever you're going through. Now you're able to talk to your therapist in private, um, in an online environment at your convenience. So it's literally therapy um, wherever you may be, you know. Um, there's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapists network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then uh, you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Imagine that, under 48 hours. Then you schedule a secure video and phone sessions and then uh, plus you can exchange unlimited messages with your therapist um, and everything you share is 100% and completely confidential. Right? What I've found helpful, man, with using a platform um, like BetterHelp, again, you know, is just their response time. That if you're going through something, um, you're able to talk with your therapist and share it right there and then. You know, my therapist, uh, Mark, is so efficient, um, and I'm really um, happy that I'm working with him. All right, and then you can actually also request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime if the current, like the current um, therapist that you matched with doesn't work out for you. All right, so you don't need to stress and feel like you're trapped with one therapist. You can actually request to change. So join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced better help therapist. Special offer to Sports Bears from an agent's perspective, podcast listeners. So you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash kzmbekela. Right? That's betterhelp.com slash kzmbekela. E-K-E-L-A, Bekela. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, man, and welcome back 
you know, from after the break. And um, yeah, like I said, you know, I hope everyone is doing well. You know, we're literally past that halfway, you know, mark point of the year. And uh, man, it's just, it's, it's crazy how quickly this year is flying by. Um, but yeah, no, we, we keep putting in the work. We keep putting in the work. Um, just before I carry on, man, um, I actually wanted to just introduce something that, you know, we've been doing, you know, with my sports agency that we've just started. And it's actually called, um, you know, strength and conditioning training with an agent. All right. So what I basically do, <laughs> and this is man, this is like literally putting myself in the line of fire. So what I literally do is um, I create video content. All right. Video content of me doing home workout, you know, regiments, um, for example, uh, kettlebell training, strength and conditioning using kettlebells, only kettlebells. All right. And, um, you know, I've always found kettlebells to be a, like a very effective um, way of, you know, training, especially for like home workouts. Um, and I basically created this sort of like, you know, workout routine for, you know, athletes who would like to put in extra work while at home. You know, but obviously, as much as it's for athletes, hey, man, if you're, you know, a follower of the podcast, someone who just listens to the podcast and you have a passion for fitness, um, I would definitely recommend that you check these videos out. All right. So what I'm committing myself to doing is that every month I'll at least have four videos out that will be available for streaming on um, our sports agency, Athlete Network, um, on our website, on our agency website, basically. And um, yeah, they'll be available for streaming, you know, for members and you know you could basically just follow the routine just you know follow what i do you know it's not one of those where i tell you okay now do this now no i'm actually doing the training um for you guys so you can literally check it out and you can mimic me um i know you know kettlebells are they aren't an easy method of training so if you're a first time at using kettlebells please 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 be sure to start off light, you know, because if you just start off going heavy, they can really be painful on the wrists, all right? And yeah, so just make sure you watch properly and make sure you learn the techniques properly when starting out. But I promise you, once you get the hang of it, man, it's one of the most enjoyable training methods out there. Um, as far as I know, it um, originates from Eastern Europe, you know, <laughs> and I mean, with Russia, with what they're currently um, in the news for currently, you know, I don't think it's appropriate that I even bring up their name. But I mean, it's apparently an Eastern European training method. Um, but yeah, it's, it's extremely effective. And one thing I love about, you know, kettlebell training is the fact that any athlete from any sporting code or sporting background can do this type of training and it can really benefit whatever sport you play, you know. Um, it really is one of those, it's functional training. So that's what's enjoyable about it. But as much as it's functional training, 
it's also very good for muscle building because you know the heavier you go with kettlebells um you know the stronger you become you know they're very good for strength i know for me man during my rugby playing days they were immensely effective for me you know just doing that type of functional training i found myself getting more um you know supple agile i found myself you know as much you know getting faster as well you know getting faster getting agile but in the same breath man literally getting strong you know i i leaned down a lot because in my earlier earlier you know playing days i was all about you know trying to pack on muscle mass and being bulky for rugby and i just i felt stiff type of thing and then when i started incorporating a lot of functional training I started, you know, my muscles started feeling a bit more loose. I started feeling agile, quicker, and I still was able to maintain my strength. So I was like, damn, I actually like, you know, this training method. Um, and I just stuck with it. You know, I started doing kettlebells. This was back in 2010, just before my first overseas stint of going to play in Northern Ireland. Um, a good friend of mine, you know, Felix Gordo, um, he actually introduced me to kettlebell training um, when I was getting ready, when I was, you know, working on my strength and conditioning. Because during that time, I wasn't playing any rugby. I was literally just focused on training and getting stronger and preparing to head off to Ireland. And Felix was one of the trainers at the High Performance Center at the time. And he just, yeah, man, he worked with me. Um, and you know what the funny thing is? He didn't charge me, you know? He never charged me. Um, he just worked with me because, I mean, we, had, we were former teammates. We had played provincial under 18 together. And we just remained friends. You know, we were friends. And yeah, man, shout out to Felix. Stand-up guy. Um, but yeah, he was, he, he was the guy who worked with me and showed me that training method and introduced it to me. And then obviously, I started doing a bit more research for myself about the, you know, um, the techniques of using kettlebells and then from there on I just I never looked back you know I started incorporating into my training and I loved it all right so shout out to you Felix and yeah man if you're in South Africa or anywhere in Africa and you are um, a follower of the show Survivor you know the return of the outcasts my friend Felix is actually on that show and um, yeah man Please do, do, do best and make sure to vote for my man's Felix and make sure he stays on the show and vo vote for him to win, man. You know, vote for him to win. He's got charisma, so yeah, I'm pretty sure Felix will do well this time around. This is actually his second stint on the show. So yeah, shout out to him and best of luck to him. I hope he does well in the show. All right, anyway... The, that is not the topic of the show, guys. <laughs> you know, I was just telling you guys um, about this new um, feature of, you know, Athlete Network, which is our social network for athletes. And that is called Strength and Conditioning Training with a Sports Agent. Check it out, man. You might enjoy it. I also, you know, trade war stories on that, um, you know, on those videos. So after I, you know do like a workout for you guys i always you know um end off the video by just telling a story by just telling stories trading war stories so yeah 
um, two episodes already up. I'm going to upload two more. All right. So make sure you, you get the streaming. The first episode's for free. And then the other three episodes are $1 each. All right. We've got to pay the bills, guys. We've got to pay the bills. <laughs> so, but... What one thing I don't do is I don't cheat you on your workout routines. Like, uh, I go full, you know, full frontal. You know, you get your one dollars worth in terms of the, you know, the workout and the quality and just the advice that I give on the video. All right. Okay. Um, so today's topic. Moving on to today's topic. So today's topic, we're going to talk about, you know, what seems to be you know, the in-demand positions, you know, with regards to the transfer period, transfer window of this year, all right? And um, it's weird because every single team that I've spoken to currently, these are the two positions that they have, you know, without a doubt mentioned. And it's got me thinking that, you know, I mean, Japanese football, don't get me wrong, man. Japanese football is amazing, you know. Um, the players here are very, they're very technical. And it just had me thinking that why is it that in these two positions, and these are actually two key positions, why are the teams both in the J1 and the J2 actively seeking, um, you know, players from overseas to come and fill these positions? You know, could it be a problem with the development structures within these positions over here in Japan? Or do the teams just believe that, you know, getting these foreign players in these positions is the best way to go? All right. And the two positions I'm talking about, literally, guys, I, I think I've, I've, yeah, I've probably spoken to about 10 teams, you know, within the J1 and J2 leagues. And all of them, all of them have mentioned that the two positions that they're most likely to recruit for in this off-season, I'm um, off-season, sorry, not off-season, in this transfer period, mid-season, is central, you know, uh, central back, center back, and striker. Those are the two positions that seem to be in demand within the J-League. Center back and striker. You know, this past weekend, I traveled um, to go watch an amazing game man, uh, between two J2 teams, you know, um, Fan Kofu and um, Vivar Nagasaki. You know, before I carry on, man, Fan um, Kofu, you know, JIT Stadium, the city of Yamanashi, the city of Kofu in Yamanashi is... Man, it is breathtaking. It is beautiful out there, you know. And Yamanashi is actually pretty famous for, um, as like a tourist destination. It's sort of like the Kyoto of the southern part of Japan, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, it, it, it's always been recommended that I, I take a trip down there. And I'm glad I did. It was freaking beautiful, man. Fucking amazing. But anyway, just to carry on. So... I went over there and, um, you know, I had a chance to catch up, luckily, with both, you know, front office staff from both teams. 
And what's funny is both front office were like, yeah, you know, what we're thinking about definitely is, you know, if we are looking at players from overseas, the likelihood is that we're going to be recruiting for center back and striker. (laughs) And it just had me laughing because both, you know, GMs made that mention and, and I was like, what the, you know? And again, with the J1, uh, J1 League teams um, that I'm dealing with, that I'm you know, constantly having a conversation with back and forth, the GMs are also mentioning that, that um, yeah, we're looking at centre-back and striker. You know? And I mean, for most of these teams, um, they always sit. Um, and, and, and the one thing I always do when I'm speaking to a team, I always, I always try to make sure to, to gauge you know, their level of expectation and basically what their preference is. Because, you know, some teams, whether J1 or J2, some teams are very, very, very thorough in terms of, um, I don't want to say necessarily thorough, but very clear in terms of, you know, the type of players that they're looking for. For example, the one team simply just says that, look, for us, the standard is, if we're going to look at foreign players, Jap- um, Japanese, Brazilian that's the standard you know some of them are very clear about that and they don't you know they, they don't back out of that because the perception of theirs is that if you're gonna recruit overseas then you gotta get brazilian you know um i just wish they knew that you know brazil is no longer the powerhouse that it used to be don't get me wrong i mean they always you know, managed to find themselves being like number one in the world in between World Cup years. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, it's been a long time since like a Brazilian team has made me, you know, feel like, wow, you know, Brazilian players still have it. But I mean, but then again, on the flip side, they, yeah, they, they, they still do hold the talent. But the one Brazilian player I did witness that played for one of the, one of the teams on the weekend Mm, he didn't impress me as much. He was... I mean, he was a threat on attack. You know? He was a threat on attack. But, man, I, I just wasn't impressed by that guy. He seemed... To me, he seemed unfit. You know? He seemed a little lazy. He seemed a little overweight. You know? Um, I think... I think the team... That he's playing for. I don't want to mention the team, and I don't want you to play. I don't want to mention the player's name. I think the team that he plays for, number one, I think they are overpaying him. You know, and I think because of the reason for that, he's sort of developed like a fat cat syndrome, whereby he just feels like he doesn't have to. He's done all the hard work, you know, and that that that's one of the things that can be a major downfall. I promise you, for you know. Um, professional athletes sometimes is that you know when they find themselves you know being paid i don't want to say too much because they are worth the money there's no such thing as too much when they find themselves being well compensated by a team some you know some lose motivation because they're like well i've gotten the one thing that i've wanted you know which is a lot of money from the game and which is good again because you know, when you're getting a chance to be a pro athlete and, you know, play 
the sport that you play at the highest level you have to cash in while you can because unfortunately you fight you're constantly fighting against father time and your body won't be able to move like that forever you know so you know by all means get yours while you can but i think it's important though that you know the game become more more than about money for you because once that's the only motivator when you're getting it then you stop being motivated and that's where i feel like this lad man because he's he's so potent you know with all the chances like i'm saying he he failed to 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 convert the opportunities he had on saturday into points but nonetheless you know he had a few good touches that let you know that no i mean this guy he's a potent player but there there're just certain fundamentals that he's lacking you know i'm sure he's a young kid i'm sure he's a young guy but um yeah i remember just watching him during warm up during the warm up i was like no man am i watching a rugby game or am i watching am or am i here to watch a soccer game the guy's built like a rugby player um and i'm like no 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 this 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 can't be it and then he was exposed when they you know when they tried to play him up front um because he came on for an injured player so he came on up front and there was a very good you know attacking opportunity where i think it was yeah he sent uh center midfield put in a chip kick over for him to basically collect and convert into points and he couldn't get there he was too slow you know so that was one of the things i noticed and funny enough during half time so one of the guys um i think he yeah one of the guys he's studying at yamanashi there were like four african guys that i met over there i think two are from kenya and then two are from ghana so they were walking past me so i'm standing at the top over there stadium and they're like yeah you see that you know the brazilian player he's so good and blah 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 and i'm like yeah but you know there's certain fundamentals that are lacking in his game they're like what do you mean i'm like first of all he's slow i'm like didn't you see that chip kick that was put over there for a player in good shape you know with you know sufficient amount of speed and yeah just all around good shape he should have collected that and converted that into, into points because he would have been one on one with the goalkeeper and they're like yeah we get what you mean but he's doing well i'm like he's doing well you can see he has the talent but there's just something lacking within this player you know so yeah but anyway before i digress man and go too deep into criticizing this young man um shout out to him though i i still think he played the best out of everyone in his team it's just a shame that he wasn't able to convert his efforts into points you know but it just let me know that as much as you know coaches around in the leagues you know put Bra- uh, brazilian players on such a pedestal yeah some of them once they develop the, the fat cat syndrome it's all downhill from there and i think one of the reasons why one of the front office staff said to me that they're looking for a center forward looking for a striker is that i suspect that they're looking to replace this young man because already he came off the bench you know and he is not looking injured so we can't pinpoint that and say that yeah he's probably no he's not hurt i think 
He's just very complacent and he's not delivering. So they're looking to move him, you know. So, yeah. So, so but nonetheless, most of the clubs, yeah, Brazilians are their standard. And then some, um, after that, Australia. And I was like, Australia? But then I sort of understand because, I mean, Australia is one of the, I mean, they're ranked in the top Top 35, I think. They're ranked lower than Japan. But I think because they're not very far, uh, Japanese teams also look to Australian players when they're recruiting overseas talent. Because logistically speaking, they don't become a major expense for a team. It's not like recruiting a player that's halfway across the world where you've got to fly this guy over for an exorbitant amount for, you know, for his air, air ticket. And then after that, you've got to put him up house him, make sure he's comfortable and everything. So it ends up being more expensive to recruit a player halfway across the world as opposed to recruiting a guy who's just an hour behind time zone-wise. So, you know, I'm sure a flight from Australia to Japan isn't even close to $1,000, you know. So you're bringing a guy over for a decent amount um in terms of what the team has to spend in getting the guy over. Obviously, they still got to pay him well, but logistically speaking, I can understand why they look at Australia as sort of like a secondary um, market when they're looking to recruit. So yeah, Brazil, Australia, and then I think after that, they start looking to Europe um, and Africa, Europe and Africa, Europe and Africa. Um, yeah, but look, man, because of guys like Peter Utaka and, you know, Michael Olunga, shout out to them. And they've really flown the African flag, you know, so high and so well, you know, to the point where I promise you, you know, J1 and J2 team, um, J2 teams, you know, they're always up for listening, you know, about players from Africa, you know, from any African country. So, Yeah. Shout out to them. And obviously, you know, I'm still on my quest to make sure that I get my first South African over to come play in Japan. And once that happens, man, once I'm able to, you know, secure employment um, with a club for a South African, whoever that guy is will be the first in the history of the J-League in its existence to come and play over in Japan. All right. So I've got my work cut out for me this off season. I've got my work cut out for me. And I also think as well, man, um, I'm not sure how many Americans have been here in terms of players or coaches. But, you know, I'm, I'm also making it my mission, you know, to to bring Americans over because, you know, the major league and just not only the major league, the USL is such an amazing, you know, football product. Um, I just wish, you know. Japanese football could start also looking at America as well, you know, because what I saw from some of the, the teams that I've spoken to is that to them, their vision of the US, I promise you, is American football and basketball. That's all. And baseball, obviously, and baseball, because you've got so many American players within the, um, the baseball leagues over here. So, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's up to us foreign agents to, to convince them that, listen... Yes, these guys have American football, they've got baseball and they've got basketball, but look at their soccer as well, you know. So yeah, man, um, so, that, yeah, so that's another challenge for me, you know, is to just change their minds about, you know, looking at South Africans, looking at Americans, 
to come over here and you know contribute to the J Leagues. You know, because I know actually the J Leagues have started sending a few players over to the US. Because I know there's one guy who played for FC Tokyo last season and he's actually a former um, Japanese international. He's playing for Orange County in California. So it's like, okay, they are starting to recognize um, the US and actually look at the US for more than just basketball and American football and baseball. Is that they are starting to see it as, okay, maybe there's something there, but it's, it's still gradual. It's still slow. But um, yeah, within time. They'll get there. They'll get there. So, yeah. So, as things are looking, those are the two in-demand positions. Um, Centre-back and strikers. Centre-back and strikers. In the midfield, I think because the midfield is, you know, it demands so much communication and so much orchestration. I think they they really have faith in their um, Japanese midfield players, whether you're talking about central midfield or their wingers and stuff like that. I think because, honestly, those positions, they require a lot of communication. I mean, striker and, you know, centre-back do as well. But I think because um, the midfielders are so instrumental in orchestrating, you know, the play within the field, I think that's why Japanese teams tend to want to keep those positions mostly for Japanese players. Because, I mean, when you're a striker, you don't really need to say much. You just need to really make sure that you can position yourself very well. Obviously, have some form of communication with the, the midfield that's about to feed you. But I do think, um, like, centre-back and striker are more instinctive positions. Because I don't care, you know, I don't give a shit where you're from. If you know how to defend then you're going to know how to defend, you know. I don't give a fuck where you're from. If you know how to bang goals in and score goals, that instinct will be there regardless of where you're playing in this world. You know, so I think that's the reasoning behind um, teams always opting to look for overseas players when it comes to um, strikers. And centre-backs. Don't get me wrong. They do recruit in the midfield as well. But, you know, as, you know, I've watched so many games <laughs> within the J-Leagues. Um, yeah, what I've noticed is, mo- in most cases, the midfield tends to be dominated by Japanese players. And then the two instinctive positions tend to be um, dominated by foreigners. You know. And oh, goalkeepers as well. Goalkeepers... Well, goalkeepers also is always 50-50. I don't think teams mind, you know, recruiting foreign goalkeepers because again, goalkeeping is also an instinctive position. Not much communication in terms of talking needs to go into it. It's either you have it or you don't. It's either you you know you have that instinct to move where the ball is going or anticipate where the ball is going and be able to make that move or you don't. Same as defending, same as um, you know, finishing off. And scoring a goal. Alright. So yeah. Um, it's a month before the transfer window opens man. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, what other requests are out there. But uh, we're working hard. We're pushing. And um, yeah man. We look forward to this upcoming period. Um, you know. May this be an opportunity. You know. To, to change someone's life. Or to give. Um, that player or that coach an opportunity that they deserve you know in getting a chance 
at uh, coaching, you know, within the J-Leagues. Because as I've mentioned in uh, previous podcasts, you know, um, yeah, the, the J-League is an amazing football product. And I think, you know, for any professional footballer out there, um, it, it definitely is one of the leagues I would recommend that, you know, you try your luck, you know, in coming to ply your trade. Because, I mean... I mean, it's, it's, it's the league that's kept, you know, players such as Andre Iniesta still playing. I mean, the guy is still playing, regardless of the fact that his club is struggling. And, I mean, the way things are looking, uh, you know, Vissel Kobe will probably get relegated at the end of the season. Or not, you know, you never know. But um, we'll see how things go, man. We'll see how that, we'll see how that goes. All right, guys. So, yeah, that's what I thought I'd just talk about today is, you know... This trend that I've picked up in, um, you know, in the possible recruitments for this transfer period in that it's mostly dominated by center backs and strikers. So if you play those two positions, <laughs> you better count your lucky stars, man, as you know, it could be you or you or you. What I'm saying is, yeah, if you play, you know, center back or striker, um, you're in a better position of possibly, you know, attracting a Japanese club, all right, but um, yeah, so that's, that's just what I, I wanted to talk about today, um, yeah, don't forget, man, check out Strength and Conditioning with, an, you know, with a sports agent, um, which is available on our athlete network, um, social network platform for athletes, all right, I think you'll enjoy that. Alright guys, um, you've been watching Sports Biz from an agent's perspective and thank you so much, thank you so much to everyone who keeps supporting the podcast and um, please, yeah, keep getting the merch, I'll be sure to drop the link on the description, alright, um, yeah man, always remember, we don't only talk sports, we fucking lived it, alright, we effing lived it, alright guys, I'm about to get on with my day. It's a beautiful, cool morning, but yeah, it's still pretty warm. And um, summertime, man, summertime means every Sunday I'm at the beach. Every Sunday I'm at the beach, if I'm not attending a game. But um, yeah, I've been to a beach. I mean, I've been to the beach a few times. And um, yeah, it's been an enjoyable summer so far. But uh, yeah, we still try, we still maintain the work ethic and hard work. But we don't forget to smell the roses, all right? Wherever you are, however hard you're working, don't ever forget to take the time and smell the roses. All right, and before I start blabbering more, this is Sports Biz from an agent's perspective. This is Zila, a.k.a. Chester Mbekela. Take care of yourselves, man, and have a great week, all right? I'll catch up with you guys on the next episode. Take care. Alright, so did you know that Sports Biz from an agent's perspective, the podcast, was actually parlayed from an ebook series that is available on Amazon.com? I get I bet you I bet you guys didn't know this. But uh, yeah, that is the case. Um, so when I started my journey as a sports agent, 
I told myself that, you know what, I want to document this journey as it's actually happening. All right. And then that gave me the idea that, you know what, to start an ebook series and to just basically talk about my experiences um, in sort of like an ebook series. All right. So the ebook series that um, we completed last year was season one. Four episodes of season one, where basically, guys, I talk about my journey in transitioning from being um, an athlete, from being a player, to actually getting into the business side of professional sports. All right. I've always known that I wanted to be in the, um, the business of professional sports once I stopped playing, but I didn't know how. All right. I bet there's a lot of you know a lot of guys who are athletes. Or a lot of guys who are passionate about sports who actually want to become agents, but they don't know how to become agents. Okay, this is where I recommend, I recommend that you get um, my Sports Biz from an Agent's Perspective ebook series. All right, that series literally details everything, man. It details um, the process and it also details on how to get started. Um, you know, when you just want to open up your own shop, your own agency, how to prospect for clients. All right. And also, um, I also tell stories about the transfer window. And I also tell stories about just my life in Tokyo since I've been here. All right. Trust me, there's some epic stories that you would not want to miss that are over there. But um, all that aside, the most important information that is on there is literally about how to get started as a sports agent and just how to navigate this journey because I don't have a mentor no one's mentoring me in this sports agency journey it's literally um, through trial and error and it's literally just you know taking it day by day and going by instincts okay so make sure you get the ebook series man sports biz from an agent's perspective ebook series all right, um, and I wish you guys well on your journey, man. I wish you well on your agent's journey. For any agent that's looking to come into the game or for any sports enthusiast that's looking to come into the game, I wish you nothing but luck. But make sure you get the ebook series. <laughs> just kidding, man. But yeah, I just thought I would um, tell you guys about it because a lot of guys told me that they didn't know that my podcast was parlayed from an, um, an ebook series. All right. There was even a press release. There was even like, it was also in the media as well. Um, because my podcast has just been catching on so much popularity here in Asia and in the African continent. And then the one person just contacted me and, and was like, listen, I saw sports biz from an agent's perspective on Amazon. Was this a book? I was like, yep, it was first a book before I made it into a podcast. So anyway, I thought I'd share that little story. And uh, yeah, man, I hope you guys go out and get it. I definitely recommend it and you won't be disappointed. Many more seasons are coming as well. All right. Cheers.